Welcome to the CC Broadcast, a part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministries. This week we'll be hearing from our radio preacher, Reverend Steve Kramer, and his message, Truths to Live By, Good Grief. Today we'll be looking at another life-giving spiritual truth from Jesus, the Son of God, as we continue our sermon series on the Beatitudes entitled, Truths to Live By. We begin our service in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we approach your throne of grace, grateful for your love and presence in our lives. We know that we would be so lost without you, for it is in you we live and move and have our being. Amen. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 4. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted.
Today is Father's Day, a time to honor and thank dads who have loved us, protected us, and provided for us in so many ways. And one of the things a good father typically provides his children is with some wisdom, truths that can make our lives work a bit better. My dad taught me things like, hard work never hurt anyone, Steve. You won't get anywhere without it. Or always be honest because integrity matters. Don't buy what you can't afford. Live within your means was a favorite. But the best was believe in Jesus. And those truths have all served me well. I imagine your father passed along truths like that to you. Today we have a truth from our Heavenly Father revealed to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This truth sounds a bit odd to our ears, doesn't it? Happier those who are sad? That doesn't make sense. There are a number of things over which people in our world naturally mourn. They mourn over loss, the loss of loved ones, marriages, friendships, loss of material things, or loss of a job. People mourn over unfulfilled dreams, things they wish they'd done. Uh, People mourn over things that they're lacking, like money or good health, or mourn over failures or the loss of a sense of purpose. So is Jesus saying that everybody experiencing this kind of thing are blessed by God and will be comforted? No. You see, it's important that we remember that each of these Beatitudes are truths meant for citizens of the kingdom of God, those who have tasted God's grace through faith in Christ. But it is true, if you believe in Jesus, you will find comfort in his presence as you call upon him during those times. He will come. So is Jesus saying kingdom citizens are to take on a more melancholic, sorrowful, sourpuss disposition in this world? No, I don't think so. After all, Jesus did say he came to give us his joy to the full. Is Jesus simply teaching here that the Christian life is not all joy and laughter and bliss? That's true. Jesus never promised his followers exemption from hardships that cause uh, mourning in our lives. In fact, he himself is known to have wept and suffered all kinds of hostility and hurt and rejection and disappointment and loss, which can bring about mourning and grief. So it's, it is true that grieving and mourning are a part of living in this broken world for everyone. I'm sure Jesus wants us to know that, but that's not the main truth in this statement he gives. Remember, the Beatitudes are spiritual in nature. They all have reference to a spiritual condition and to a spiritual attitude being commended to those who are citizens of God's kingdom through faith in Christ. And that being blessed describes a state of well-being in relationship to God, standing approved by him, enjoying the fullness of life that flows from an ongoing relationship with him, because there's no greater joy and blessedness than this. So when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, he's talking in spiritual terms. Like the first beatitude, when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize and admit their dependence on God's grace in life. Today's beatitude is about mourning then over 
sin. And what is sin? Sin is rebellion against God, breaking the boundaries he has set for us, insisting on our own way. It's also described as falling short of the mark of God's purposes for my life. It's also an inner condition of being turned in on myself with me at the center, always looking out for number one. It wrecks my relationship with God and other people and myself. It's a very serious thing, a deadly thing. And Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn over this. Blessed are those who mourn over, first of all, the sin and evil around us in our world. They grieve over the sins of others and the consequences it brings. They know this conduct is against God's original intentions and intentions and what breaks God's heart breaks their hearts and makes them long all the more for his will to be done. We see that in Jesus, who was described as uh, by the prophet Isaiah as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Grief over what? Grief over sinfulness. He wept over the sins of others and the bitter consequences of the impenitent who wouldn't receive him. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he mourned. How I have longed to gather your children to myself like a hen gathers a brood, but you would not come. And Jesus wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus as he witnessed the consequences of sin, which is death. So we too, as God's people in Christ, should perhaps walk in those footsteps, perhaps grieve over the sin and evil in this world and its consequences, refusing to become indifferent and callous towards it. Like the psalmist who said to God, my eyes shed streams of tears because men don't keep your law. Or the Apostle Paul who shed tears, he said, wrote, over the false teachers who were troubling the churches of his day, living as enemies of the cross, leading members away from the truth of the gospel to their destruction. He grieved over sin in the church. Well, kingdom citizens grieve over sin. They also pray for God's will to be done and they speak against it and work against sin. And they, they, they grieve over those who reject and refuse God. And they also love and serve others who are suffering the, the consequences of their own sin or the consequences of living in a sinful, broken world that has caused pain and injustice in their lives. Jesus said those who mourn over the sins of the world shall be comforted. How is that? Well, they will be comforted in the here and now with the presence and love of the Holy Spirit of God working in them. He is called the Comforter by Jesus in the Gospel of John. He strengthens, enlightens, and empowers believers and comforts them each day and keeps them going for Jesus Christ as we call upon him. And there is also a coming future comfort that gives us comfort now, a comfort that awaits kingdom people that I'm going to talk about at the end of this message. But we go on. The Christian mourning is not only over the sins of others in the world in general, it's also grieving over his or her own sins. You see, in Jesus Christ, believers are both saints and sinners, saved by Christ, but still constantly sinning. The old Adam uh, is still there, wanting to have 
his selfish way. And as I stand before God and his holiness and contemplate the life I am to live according to his word and the life I'm actually living, it makes me mourn. And recognizing it and mourning over it moves one to repent and confess it to God with a penitent heart. For as Paul states it, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Being sincerely penitent for my sinful thoughts, words, and actions, I turn to him, humbly asking for his forgiveness, cleansing, and renewal, so that I might be restored and walk in his ways to the glory of his name. I'm reminded of Ezra in the Old Testament who wept and cast himself down before the temple of God, confessing his sins and the sins of Israel, pleading for mercy. Or the Apostle Paul who mournfully asked this question after describing his tendency to not do the things he wanted to do for God and always doing the things he didn't want himself to do. He sorrowfully asked, Who will save me, wretched man that I am? That sounds penitent. He's penitent for his sinfulness. We know he also chastised the Christian congregation in the city of Corinth who were tolerating some very sinful behavior in their church. And he said, and you're arrogant about this. Ought you not rather to mourn? That's his counsel. All this in mind leads me to ask myself, and you as well, a personal question. Do I mourn my sin? When was the last time you mourned over your sinfulness? A Christian pastor and author John Stott wrote a while back something that captured my attention. He said, I fear that we evangelical Christians, by making much of grace, thereby make light of sin. There's not enough sorrow for sin among us. What do you think? Is Stott right in his assessment? Have we come to the place where we ignore Paul's words of cautions uh, to the Christians in Rome after describing the grace of God? What then shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means! Have we, you and I, become presumptuous before our holy and pure God, so sensitized to sin and the serious nature of it that it no longer troubles us within? Have we lost sight of God's holiness and our lack thereof, and forgotten his expectations of kingdom people to live holy lives before him and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, as Luther teaches us. Because if that's become true of us, watch out, we're treading on dangerous, deadly ground, and it's time to turn around to God with deep contrition, kneeling before him, asking for his grace and mercy and the renewal of our spirits so that we may follow him more faithfully to the glory of his holy name. Someone might wonder, it's so easy to get off track on this. How, how can I avoid that kind of thing happening in my life, like John Stott describes? 
the great experts in the life of the Spirit have always recommended daily self-examination. They say it's a good thing for every person to pause at the end of the day and meditate upon himself or herself, to run quickly over his or her life, asking the Holy Spirit to show them the moments of this day when they blew it and broke God's heart. To ask, what have I done, said, or thought that that or behaved with respect to others that broke God's heart. It's humbling, and it brings you to some grieving about yourself. Why, why am I so irritable, or some frustration, or why am I so bad-tempered, or unkind, or jealous and envious? There, I did it again. Why am I unable to control this? I don't want to be like that, and I know God doesn't want me to be like that. It's like there's this battle in me. I have sinned again, and I need forgiveness, a fresh start. Then you humbly confess and ask God to forgive you and renew a right spirit within you so that you can walk in his ways. Then what? You listen now to our Savior's promise, for you shall be comforted. If you're troubled over your sins, your spiritual failures, your lack of faith and love about the way you've blown it, and you're dismayed at your tendencies to give in to old sinful habits, try as you may, you turn to God and you shall be comforted, comforted with his forgiveness, which came at great cost to him. The Spirit points you to the Christ's atoning sacrifice of himself at the cross and how he took your sins upon himself and suffered the punishment that you and I deserved. That cross is our comfort as Christians. At the, for at the cross we're reminded of God's gracious love for us and his forgiveness. And we're told you're forgiven. God still loves you. And that is comforting. As H.G. Spafford testified in his great hymn, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And it is well with my soul. The greatest comfort, relief, and joy of all for believers to experience is to go to God and receive his grace and forgiveness, to open his word and read again and again the good news. God loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you. Your sins are forgiven. He still loves you. And as you move forward with your life to serve him, you are never alone or on your own, for you have the Holy Spirit in you to comfort and help you, to keep you on God's path, striving to walk in his ways to his glory. That can change a person's life, that kind of comfort. Dr. Haddon Robinson, in his book, What Jesus Said About Successful Living, tells a beautiful little story that illustrates this truth about comfort. Paderewski, the great Polish pianist and composer, had a young woman in training with him. She was playing in a recital, and in the middle of her piece, she forgot the music. It sounded as if she was playing bed springs as she hit one wrong note after another. She stumbled through it. But at the end, she just sat at that piano and wept. 
Paderewski went over and kissed her on the cheek. He hugged and comforted her. It wasn't that Paderewski no longer cared about her playing correctly. He knew that comforting this young girl in her failure would motivate her to try again. But frustration was a sign that shed sense uh, on, on her need of more study. And because of his comfort, she wanted more than ever now to please him and become a brilliant concert pianist. This promise of comfort, by the way, for those who mourn over sin, has a beautiful future aspect to it that comforts us now and gives us hope. Because while we mourn over the present sufferings and sin around us and within us, we're comforted with the assurance that they are not forever. They do not compare with the glory that shall be revealed at the end of time when Christ returns. For when he returns, sin shall be banished from the earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth where only God's righteousness dwells among us. And God shall wipe away every tear and death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things will have passed away and all will be well perfectly well as we sing together it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul so that's christ's word of truth hope and comfort for those of us trusting in jesus as savior lord but still stumbling along life's way who mourn the reality of sin like a weight on the neck of the world and longingly pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the truth to build your life on. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your holy truth. And we know that as we walk in that truth, it has the ability to comfort us and to set us free. May we be mourners, turning to you constantly for forgiveness and rejoicing in all that Christ Jesus has done for us. Amen. Sweet relief
God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, keep you in his light and truth and love now and forever. Amen. Hi, this is Matt Reister, Executive Director for Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Thanks for tuning in to today's broadcast. We're here to proclaim Jesus Christ as Redeemer of the world and to promote the truth of God's Word. In addition to this weekly broadcast, we want to mention two podcasts which you can listen to for free on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or on our mobile app, the Christian Crusaders app, which can be downloaded from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. The CC Podcast Daily Dose features short devotions from an overview of the Bible and the CC Podcast Conversations features inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. In fact, here are some excerpts from those interviews. Here's Ron Gruber, a former motorcycle gangster and murderer. But I grabbed that thing, and after I, I got myself psyched to a point, and I mean, I cracked that hammer back and put it against my head, and I, I heard it just like you and me are talking. Don't kill yourself with that gun. You kill yourself with me. This is Christian singer-songwriter Michael W. Smith. You know, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's one, that's, and you don't like God to humble you, and I've been there. It's not fun. I'd rather do it myself. And here's Michael W.'s fellow Christian artist, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And mm. I feel like when people say, man, your music has encouraged me in my faith journey, it always just reminds me, again, of how God can use just about anything. You know, he can use Amen. a hillbilly from Kentucky. And here's former Hawkeye and current NFL player Ike Butker. I just remember running routes. Me and this this one other kid are running routes. I don't like to talk great about myself, but I destroyed anybody that they put up against me. Like, <laughs> I, dro- I didn't drop a single pass. You can listen to those interviews and over 60 others, as well as our daily Bible overview devotion and this broadcast, along with archive broadcasts from former preachers on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or on our free mobile app. Today you've been listening to the broadcast transmission of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministries. We're one of America's longest-running radio ministries on the air since 1936. We are completely donor-funded, and donations are tax-deductible. They can be sent to 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613, or made online at christiancrusaders.org. Thank you for tuning into this broadcast. We'll be here again next week at the same time. And until then, may God richly bless you.